So good morning. Um, definitely, as Vijay was just saying, if you're interested in the Christmas child boxes, it's a good time. It's, um, if you've never seen it, it's really an operation. We fill up all, every table in the other room with um, little toys and all kinds of stuff that go in these boxes, and then it's like an assembly line. We all go around and fill uh, at least as many as you see there. It usually even ends up being more than that. Uh, and we do usually get lunch too, so, you know, pizza or something like that. So it's fun. You should check it out, especially if you've never done it before. It's really worth, uh, it's really worth seeing. And then afterwards, it's usually sometime in the following week, you can ask Doyle. He drops them off at wherever the local collection place is. I think it's usually been Church on the Sound right down the road. But, uh, and you get to see all of the other boxes from the other churches. It's a huge amount. It's just it's so many, which is, which is very cool to see. So... Um, yeah, the whole thing is great. So check it out if you've never seen it before. Um, so this week, as I said before, uh, Doyle and Kathy and Steph are out in California catching up with family and visiting people and having a good time and enjoying what looks to be a lot warmer weather from the pictures I've seen uh, than we've been having. We had our last soccer game yesterday with the kids, which was just freezing. So, so they've got it good out there. Uh, but we're going to carry on, and we're going to continue in Philippians, which is where we've been for a couple of weeks. And we started Philippians chapter 3 last week, and uh, we'll get to sort of the middle of that chapter uh, this week as we talk, su- talk through some things. And um, so what we'll do is let me read uh, Philippians 3, 12 to 16, and then I'll, I'll pray really quickly, and then we'll go ahead and dive in. So this is Philippians 3, 12 to 16. It says, not that I've already obtained this or I'm already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I've made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way, and if anyone, any of you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we've attained. God, this morning we just pray that you would speak to us through your word. Help us to see what's true. Help us to hang on to it. And help us to press on, like this passage says, Father. In your name, amen. So there are, um, especially when we get to the letters of Paul, like we've been looking at for a couple of weeks, there are sentences and phrases all throughout the New Testament which are just packed with meaning. Uh, But they look really simple. You know, you're kind of reading along and you get to these sentences and they sound good and you almost kind of just go right past it. Uh, But there's so much depth there. It's like one of those onion things where you peel the layers off and it's just, um, you you can really camp out on it and dig into it for a long time. And verse 14 in this week's passage is one of those sentences. It says, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. And it's that phrase, the upward call of God in Christ Jesus, uh, which looks really simple, but there's actually, there's a lot there. And uh, what we're going to look at this morning, we're going we're gonna to unpack that a little bit and talk about what does that mean? What is the upward call of God in Christ Jesus? Or to put it another way, what is God actually doing in our lives as Christians? Because that's what this is talking about. All right, God's action in our lives as people who are following him. So what does that mean, the upward call of God? 
to, to begin unpacking that and answering, it helps to review really quickly uh, what the gospel is. There's a really simple um, sort of description or summary of the gospel that we've used over the years here a bunch of different times in a couple of different places, but it's, it's a really good one. And it helps us kind of set the, set the foundation for what we're talking about this morning, which goes like this. It says, because of what Jesus did on the cross, his death and resurrection, God has saved me from the penalty of sin. He is saving me from the influence of sin in my life. And he will save me one day, even from the presence of sin. Right, those three kind of parts there is a, is a really good summary of what the New Testament talks about. He has saved me from the penalty of sin. That's a one-time, once-forever kind of a thing. He has saved me from the penalty of sin. Uh, we call that justification, if you've heard that, that theological term. He is saving me from the influence of sin, which we call sanctification, if you've ever heard that word. That's, um, that's really where we live our lives as Christians is kind of in that second place, right? God is saving us every day from the influence of sin and brokenness in our lives. And then we look ahead to when he will save us one day from even the presence of any sin in our lives, around us. Uh, we call that glorification, which is a term you don't hear as much. But those three things together are really what we mean when we say the gospel, right? If, you've ever, um, if anyone ever asks you, to quickly, you know, what is it Christians believe? You can, that's, that's a pretty good one to remember, right? God has saved us from the penalty of sin. He is saving us from the influence of it, and he will one day save us even from the presence of it. And it's that second piece, like I said, that we live in day to day, right? He is saving us from the influence of sin. And so here's the question. What is his goal when he's doing that, as he works in our lives every day, right, a little more progressively as we follow him, what's his end goal? Where's he going with that as he's saving us from the influence of sin? All right, have you ever thought about that? I mean, what, what's he trying to get to? Where's he trying to get us to as he does that? We see it, actually. It's all throughout the New Testament. Second Corinthians in chapter 3 says that we're being transformed into his image. Right, they're talking about Jesus. First John looks even further out, says that when Christ appears, we'll be like him. Right? We will be like Jesus. Um, Romans 8 has a really good summary. I think we have that one we can put up on the screen too, Romans 8, 29. Right, it says, for those whom he foreknew, he also predestined, and here's the, here's the key, to be conformed to the image of his Son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers, right? To be conformed to the image of his son. That's, that's the goal here. So think about that gospel definition, right? Those three parts, and we, we kind of live in that second part of God removing the influence of sin from our lives. He's doing that to make us look like Jesus. That's the goal. He wants us in the way we think and act and behave and interact with people to do all those things just the same way Jesus did so that we look like him. So which sounds all pretty normal, right? If you've read any parts of the New Testament, you've probably picked up on that idea before. Um, but what's interesting is that there's a little bit of tension with that 
sounds like a pretty, you know, not controversial idea that God is looking to work in our lives to the point where we look like Jesus. But if you've been a Christian for a little while, if you follow Jesus for a little while, there's a natural tension in that which comes around uh, when our goals for our own sanctification or God's work in our lives are set anywhere different than that, set a little bit lower than that. So what I mean is um, it sounds, you know, you've probably heard people just sort of jokingly talk about themselves and say things like, oh yeah, well, you know, I'm, I'm a decent guy, I'm no saint, you know, or um, those kinds of things. I've heard that, you know, even from Christians, believers talk that way too, and sometimes we think that way. There's an idea that we carry naturally, which is that we want to see God working in our lives, right? We want to see him active in our lives, we want to see him with power and purpose working in our lives, but we naturally, I think, a lot of times have a tendency to set the bar a touch lower than he has. All right, we want to be, we want to be good. I mean, we, wanna, we want things to be cleaned up a little bit. Um, but taking us as far as looking like Jesus is sort of a much bigger, it's a much bigger deal. And it can get uncomfortable. We know that God's goal for us is for our best, right? I mean, we see that through all throughout Scripture. Um, Jeremiah 29, 11, that's a pretty famous verse. Some of you have probably heard where God's talking to his people, saying he's got a plan for them, right? I know the plans I have for you to prosper you, give you hope in a future, right? So we know that anything other than his plan for us, his goal for us, isn't that good. His goal is what's best for us. But still, there's this tendency, I think, as Christians, that just naturally happens, where the first part of that gospel definition is pretty clear, We know we need to be saved from the penalty of sin and we're happy when we hear the gospel that that's where it begins, that's great. And then the second part, you know, God progressively saving us from the influence of sin day in and day out is good, but, and this is where it sometimes gets into a little bit of tension. So just um, the way to think about this, Doyle talked last week about um, Paul going through the credentials of his own life. Remember that? That was just the verses right before we just read. Paul talking about his own credentials, all the things that are good about his life, um, his background, his training, his zeal for the Lord, all those kinds of things. And uh, I, you know, Doyle was mentioning because he used to work in a bank, uh, the, the idea of credits and debits, that Paul's looking at his life and saying, here's all my credits Right? Yeah, there are some debits, but here's all the credits, and I'm going to trade those for the credits you get in Christ Jesus. That's what we talked about last week. You can use the same idea to get at this upward call idea, uh, and it works like this. Think back, um, for some of you this may be pretty recent, others it may go back a while, but think back to the time when you first encountered the gospel. Right? You first heard the gospel, you first put your trust in Jesus, Think of where your life was at at that time, or if that was way back, you know, you can get more recent than that. You can think of, of today, even if you want to. And let's carry that same idea that Doyle used last week, the credits and the debits, right? So, so think in your own head, just for a second, about where your life was at, at that point. Think of all the places, let's do the debit side first, right? So the places where there were, there was brokenness, or um, there was a, you know, just an attitude you couldn't shake that you knew was not what God wanted. There was a temptation that constantly seemed to trip you up. 
um, a fear or an anxiety that you knew was not really from God, those kinds of things, and like over here in your brain, make sort of a mental list of all that stuff, right? The flip side, let's do it over here on this side, is the credit side. So think the same thing. Think of all those places in your life at that time or whenever, you know, today, whenever that is, where things were positive. Uh, maybe a, a career was really moving forward, a relationship with your spouse that was great, good family life, nice home, uh, genuinely good stuff, right? Not superficial stuff, but I mean really genuinely good stuff. Places where you, you feel blessed, you've seen blessing, right? We kind of keep those, so keep all those over here on, on a list on this side. So we've got the, the debits on one side and the credits on the other. Here's where it gets into a little bit of tension sometimes for us as Christians. When we come to the gospel, when we start to understand the gospel, it makes a lot of sense, it's very natural, to understand taking the bad list and surrendering that over to God. Right? I mean, that's where the gospel begins. That's not, it's not hard to, to see the connection there. You say, God, there are these places in my life, there are these attitudes, broken things, um, places where I'm just, I know I don't reflect what you want me to be, and I'm, I want them to be fixed. I want them to be healed. You know, broken relationships or, or patterns of, of behavior, whatever it is. Uh, taking that list and surrendering it to God makes some sense. It's not always easy, actually, but it, it, you know, we, we can kind of get there. We understand that's, what, that's where the gospel starts. We take those things Surrender them to God and then through his power and the Holy Spirit, uh, working in the church around us even sometimes, we start to see those things be healed and restored and dealt with. What's not as obvious is what to do with the second list, the good one, all the stuff that's going right, the blessings. Right? What do you, and, and here's what ends up happening for a lot of Christians. Uh, I, I bet many of us have seen this in our lives, but, but it happens a lot where we say, God, here's, here's, here's how I think I'd like to do this. I'm happy to give you this list, right? All the broken stuff in my life. I know I can't fix that list anyway. I've tried, didn't work. That's the point of the gospel. It's not going to work. Take that list. And while you're doing that, I'll keep working on this list, right? You do that. You take the bad stuff, I'll keep my career's going awesome, so I'll just, you know, I'm just going to keep doing it. My family life seems to be great. I'll just keep rocking that. Uh, we live in a nice place, you know, cool. I'll keep taking care of the house, right? It's like you do that, and in the meantime, I'll keep going with this, right? So what's so bad about that, right? You get all the nasty stuff taken care of. I'll take care of all the good stuff. It's really easy to do that, and you know, honestly, because those are good things, and, and I mean genuinely good things, not superficial things like, you know, uh, you know, well, money can be part of it. Actually, we'll see that in a little bit, but, but uh, things that are really blessings. It's not as obvious, actually, sometimes as followers of Jesus what to do about that. And so we kind of do this little bit of a split, right? God, you take the bad stuff, I'll take the good stuff, let's see, and this will be great. Together, you know, this will be some partnership. We're going to really, my life is going to look awesome. Um, what's, what doesn't work, though, think of that now through the lens of the gospel, right? If God's goal is to make us look like Jesus, it's a lot more all-encompassing than that, right? 
it ends up hitting both lists. Um, Jesus talked this way. One of the best ways to think about this is to look at the way Jesus talked to people that approached him, which sometimes is, is you look at it and you're like, wow, I can't, you know, he said some tough things to people. Um, the rich young ruler, right? Remember that story? He comes to Jesus uh, and he says, what do I have to do to, to be saved? And Jesus tells him, uh, lists a number of commandments, right, from the Hebrew scriptures. He says, I've done a good job with that. I've kept them, kept them since I was a little kid. I'm, I'm doing good. And Jesus says, great, sell everything, right? Give all your money away and then come follow me. And he's, he's brokenhearted. He goes away dejected, right? And you look at that and you see Jesus' response to him. You say, wow, that's heavy what he said to him. You know, I mean, did he really have to do that? Um, he didn't say that to everybody. How come he said it to that guy? That's really, that's a big deal. I, I mean, we kind of understand why the guy has the reaction he does. Um, he's not the only one. In Luke, there are these passages where um, someone comes to Jesus and says, I, I, I'm ready to follow you. Let's go. I'm, I want to become one of your disciples. Let's go. I'll follow you. Except I got to go bury my father. You remember this? And Jesus says, yeah, don't. Right? He has that, that famous quote, let the dead bury their own dead. He says, don't even worry about it. Skip that. Come follow me. And right after it, someone else does a similar thing where they say, I want to come follow you. Let me just go home and say goodbye to everybody first. Sounds pretty reasonable, right? I want to follow you. Um, I got a family at home. I should go home and say goodbye to everybody. And Jesus does the same thing to him. He says, don't even bother. Don't even bother. Come follow me right now. Skip it. And you read those things, and you're like, wow, I mean, that's, I don't know if harsh is the word, but that's heavy. I mean, what's he, why would he, what's he getting at there? Why does he say that to those people? Is it really anything wrong with their family stuff? Really anything wrong with burying your father? Or going to say goodbye to, you know, the rest of your family? I think when you look at those passages, and you put them into the context of, of the rest of the New Testament, especially the things we're looking at this morning, Jesus knows the same thing Paul's getting at here. That for each of these people, probably what's going on in their heart is that kind of two-list thing. They're saying, look, I'm ready to throw in with you. I got a couple of good things, though, that I just need to take care of. The rich young ruler, there's nothing wrong with his money per se. I think that Jesus knew, though, that that was his. He's saying, you can have everything else. I'll, you know, commandments I'm, I'm good with, I'll follow them, give me a list, I've done them already, but if you want to throw a couple more on, I'll follow those too. And Jesus is, goes right after the pressure point. He says, no, right? The one thing that you'll never let go of is, your, is the way, your security you have around your own money. And that's why he goes right after that. Same with those guys with the family. Is there anything wrong with the family stuff? No. I think Jesus knew, though, the same thing. We can't split the lists up, right? I can't have 90% of your heart and even good stuff on the other 10 because it won't work. God's goal is so much higher than that, right? He wants to make you look like me is what Jesus is essentially showing these, these guys. And, and so we can't, we, that split's just not gonna work, right? And that's what, he, that's what he's showing these guys. And it was a hard message for these guys. To, I mean, every, every one of these examples, it's a hard thing to hear, 
And it's not the details necessarily that are the problem. It's that heart issue. I think he knows even a good thing, if even a good thing is just yours to take care of and you gave me all the rest of it, this isn't going to work. You'll never look like Jesus in that case. Right? So this is what Paul's talking about this morning. You know, the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. The call of God is to look like Christ Jesus. It's to be empowered by the Holy Spirit in a way that takes your life in total and makes it look like Jesus. This happens, I mean, if you've known believers, and this, by the way, is a really good thing to do. Um, I know, you know, your VJ's MC came up earlier, and one of the things that's really cool, actually, to see happen in a group like that is that there's now a mixture of people with different experience levels of, of you know, knowing Jesus, you know? We've got some old-timers. I've been there, right, on one, one night to hang out with everybody. But to talk to people who follow Jesus longer than you is a really great thing to do. Definitely do it. And one thing you'll find a lot, I know I have, when you talk to people and you, you ask them, what was it like when you first met Jesus, when you first heard the gospel, when you first you know, put your faith in Jesus? What, so what was that like? And a lot of people's stories start out kind of the same way. Look, I was, things were bad. Um, I came to meet Jesus, and right away, some of those places in my life that I could just never get straightened out started to get straightened out. You know, um, I, I work with a guy in construction whose marriage was just a disaster, and he became a believer. And that's one of the things he'll tell you right away is that my marriage, I couldn't get my marriage on track for any, to do, you know, to save my life. I couldn't do it until he became a Christian. And he says, right away, I started to see that start to change. But if you keep talking to them, you know, okay, so those first couple years were, it was like watching the debit list get cleaned up. All the obvious stuff, right? Uh, and I don't want to downplay it. God wants the debit list. He, he absolutely wants to bring healing and restoration to that side. And that's what you hear, you know, so, so, someone who just became a Christian, and you say, for the first couple of years, yeah, that was it. Um, God was, it's almost like he was checking things off a list, just one after the other, healing, restoration, things were getting fixed. It was great. And then it got interesting because he didn't stop there. You know, he, I had actually a great career, and I started to see God moving in really scary ways on my job side. And it was like, wait a minute, God, I didn't ask for help on that. Right, I, I, I wanted you to help me deal with my boss and the bad attitude I bring to that, and you did, and that was great. Now what are you doing? I didn't ask for you to, to keep going. Right? That happens a lot. If you, I know I've seen it. Um, people, you know, even in family things or friendships. You know, I, I had another friend who had a group of friends, and there was just a lot of brokenness and dysfunction in their friendships, and it all got restored because a few of them came to know Jesus, and then they all got scattered. I remember talking to this one friend saying, what was that? You know, God, I wanted to see you bring healing and restoration to my friendships, and you did, and then you kept going, and you're doing other things. What, are, what else are you doing? Right? I didn't ask you for more. I, you fixed the relationships, then we're all set, and now we can go. And you, you'll hear this. If you talk to believers that have been uh, following Jesus for a long time, you hear stories like this. 
you know, first couple of years, he cleaned up all these things that were so obvious that just needed to be restored and healed. And then he didn't stop. <laughs> he kept going. That's where this tension comes in. When you get to that point and you say, uh, well, okay, wait a minute. I, I, don't, I didn't ask you for this part. You know, I, this part's okay. This is scary. Clean, getting, getting into this side over here, the good list, is scary. Because now you have to really trust. What is God actually doing? I mean, we know the big picture, right? He tells us what he's doing. He's making us look like Jesus. We know it's good. We know it's best, right? But it's not easy sometimes. But that's what we're talking about here this morning. That's what Paul's talking about, pressing on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. If you continue on, we're not going to read all the rest of the verses down through 21, but this is really why Paul can say in 17, brothers, join in imitating me. Right? I've heard people summarize this, follow me as I follow Jesus. That's kind of Paul's thing that he tells new believers that he meets all the time. Um, that's why he can say that, because Paul's life is an example of what happens when both sides of that list are given over to the sovereignty of God. Paul is starting to look a lot like Jesus more and more as you, as you look at what happens in his life from where he came from to where he ends up. You know, his, his good list that we talked about last week was genuinely good. And I'm sure it would have been tempting for him to say, you know what, this Jesus story is good. I'm already pretty good. You know, yeah, he was helping kill believers, so there's that. It's kind of on the debit list. But I'm sure in his mind, he was thinking, yeah, I'm pretty good, actually. Um, I wouldn't mind adding a little extra religious something on top of that, because then I'd be like, we'll really be hitting out of the park. I'm sure that thought must have crept into his heart. But he knew that it's not going to work. You know, the Jesus that he met on the road, um, the call, the upward call of God that he received there was going to take everything. And Paul's an example of what a life looks like when, he, when you do give him everything. As Paul surrenders every piece of his life, I mean, look at the influence he had. You know, he probably would have been a pretty influential guy in his time and place anyway. But we wouldn't still be reading any of his letters this morning. I mean, look at what happened with his life. Um, Jay and I were just talking yesterday, freezing at soccer, about uh, Francis Chan. I don't know, did anybody see that headline from the end of this week with Francis Chan? Do you, anybody know who Francis Chan is? A pastor, author, uh, he wrote a book, Crazy Love, that a lot of us have probably read, really good book. Um, he announced this week that he's stopping, he's given up all of his ministry here in the States, he's moving to Asia full-time to do full-time missions work. It's really not the first time he's done something drastic like that, what is it, almost 10 years ago, I think now, when he stopped full-time senior pastor stuff at his church. And, and again, that was the same kind of a story where he just felt like God was saying, this thing has become a, a great ministry, this church that you built, and it's starting to become a little too much about you, and so I want you to step aside. And he did, and his own ministry took off. I mean, he wrote more books that have been great and hugely influential. Since that time, the church took off. They're still healthy and great. And he's doing it again with, this, uh, with following this call he feels to go over to Asia and do full-time mission work. And um, I read some of the articles that came out 
talking about this. It actually, the uh, AP picked it up, the Associated Press. I mean, it got some national headlines a little bit because he's a well-known guy. And what, and you should look him up, by the way. These are, you know, go read this story. You should see what he has to say because it's so great. One of the things that does not come through in his description about what he's doing right now is a sense of loss or even sacrifice, really, although it is a sacrifice, but he doesn't even describe it that way. He keeps talking about his life over the last couple of years. I mean, it's like he's describing an adventure. You know, one of the things he's talking about is he's describing what he's doing now. It was the last time they were in Asia for a short period of time, which really got him thinking about all this. Um, They were in in a place where they were just totally dependent on God to provide. You know, there were some rough areas, far from any support network, and they had to watch God provide for them the whole time they were doing it, both spiritually to give them success and favor in the work they're doing, but even just day-to-day stuff. I mean, you know, being safe, you know, eating, I mean, all that kind of stuff. And he describes that, um, I forget the phrase he uses, but he said they so enjoyed, I think that's the word, enjoyed, they enjoyed watching God provide when they were that reliant on him so much that that fueled what he's doing now. Right, so here's what happened. I mean, Francis Chan had a really good, good list a couple years ago, 10 years ago. Go back 10, 12 years or whatever. He had a great-looking good list. Uh, He was a pastor of a church. He was writing books. I mean, he was influential. He had, I mean, honestly, I've known a lot of young pastors, and he had what a lot of young pastors would love to have, a ministry that's just taking off. He's, anything he writes gets published. Anybody, anytime he, he wants to do a podcast, I mean, there's always an audience for it. He had influence. It was great. His good list was really good. His ministry, though, is a great example of what happens when you take the whole package and give it over to God. You know, Francis Chan understands the upward call of God in Christ Jesus that Paul's talking about. He is what happens when you give both sides of that list. And it's not a sacrifice. I know if we could catch him and ask him, um, are you really at peace with what's going on? You're doing scary things, moving to Asia. Uh, I think he starts in Hong Kong and then I don't know where he goes from there. I'm sure there's a lot of anxiety or at least there's a potential for a lot of anxiety with that. You've given up what so many people would love to have here in the States, books, you know, all that stuff. Uh, huge ministry, big church, um, awesome worship teams, all that stuff. You've given all that up. How does that feel? His answer's been consistent, though. There's joy, there's peace. He can't imagine it any other way to hear him in these interviews. That's what happens. He's not the only one. He's just a great example recently of what this looks like. Paul's another one. These are guys that took both sides of that list. The bad one's obvious, and it's good. Give that to God. Absolutely, that's where the gospel begins. But part of that second step of watching God work in our lives to make us look like Jesus and accomplish his purpose is by giving both sides of that, even surrendering the things that look like good things to us and saying, God, I have blessing. I have things in my life that are great, that have gone well, that I'm thankful for, that are clearly, you know, your hand has been in. And yet I'm still willing to hold them up and say, God, take them because I want you to take all of me and make me look like Jesus. 
And we know that the life that comes out of that is just like what Francis Chan experienced, what Paul did. It's a life that's characterized by peace, not worry, joy, purpose. You know, look at the things that can be accomplished when God's working through a life like that. Uh, power, the equipping these guys have had, which is available to any of us. I mean, that's the kind of a life that Paul's talking about, this upward call of God in Christ Jesus. When we start to look more and more like his son, that's what our lives look like. If we are frustrated, if you feel like spiritual life is kind of stalled a little bit, it's a little bit stagnant, whatever, it happens a lot. You know, believers run into those places a lot. Um, Can I encourage you to, to think about this? Oftentimes, that happens because we had the obvious list and there are some things we're just holding on to a little tightly. And God is saying, I can do things. I want to do things. I have, you know, no eye has seen, the Bible says, the things that I've prepared for my people. You cannot imagine what I have planned for you when I have all of you. And so if you do feel stuck or kind of plateaued, uh, pray into that. You know, pray into that. God, where are the places in my life which weren't that obvious to me that you want to take and do something I would never have expected? You know, you're going you're gonna to do a 180 and go in a direction I didn't see coming at all. And it's gonna, I'm, I'm going to be better for it and your kingdom is going to be better for it because you're going to equip me and work through me that way. When that starts to happen, I can tell you on an individual level, you'll see a life of just power and purpose that you probably don't imagine right now. And when it starts to happen on a church level, that's when things explode. You know, when you have a community of people following Jesus that way, um, it's just the sky's the limit doesn't even, doesn't even encompass it, you know. People see that. People are attracted to that. They say, God, I can see God working in your life. What is that? That's what this looks like. Just like Paul. He says, follow me. Watch me follow Jesus. Uh, we can, believe it or not, say the same thing. If we're willing to do that, though. If we're willing to say yes to the upward call of God. If we're willing to say, God, make me look like Jesus. That's what I want. So that's, I know that's our prayer for Crossroads Church. You know, the leaders, me, Doyle, everybody who's, who's had a part of our story and I just, uh, I pray that it becomes your prayer too. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, um, we do want to learn to see our lives the way you do. We want to learn to look at ourselves and say, um, God, we know that your purpose is to make us look like your son. We know that what you want for us is to look like Jesus. You want to equip us to do things like he did. Jesus said before he left that his followers would do even greater things than him, which is unbelievable. But we know why that happens. We know that happens in a community of people who are being conformed to his image and looking more and more like him. And so that's, what, that's our prayer. Show us those places, God, where it may not be that obvious, where you want to you get involved and make changes and do things and 
push out the influence of sin that we may not even know is there. Maybe there's a selfishness. Maybe there's just... um, Maybe there's a, a piece of self-providing that we say, you know, I have security as long as I can control this, as long as I can hang on to my, my career trajectory or whatever it may be, I feel okay. Show us those places, God. Show us those places as a church body where we can say, God, if we can learn to let go of this or of that, we can't wait to see what you'll do. And remind us what joy and peace and equipping and power and purpose all come from that, Father. Teach us to look ahead to that with expectation. Help us to want that, Father. And thank you in advance for the things that you'll do as we start to look more and more like your Son. Amen.